0: Anyway, uh, welcome to the Saturday Morning Meditation Meetup, everyone. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm seeing new faces here. I think I recognize almost everybody. Um, but just to, to recap the usual the usual thing, um, we, we people ask questions and we try to answer them. Uh, not just me, Gilbert will try to answer them. Various other people will try to answer them. Um, Everybody is welcome to ask questions, any kind of question welcome, um, and uh, this is being recorded and will go up on the podcast at some point, so if you want to ask a question that you don't want recorded and don't want to go up on the podcast, please let me know before you ask and I'll stop recording while you're asking and while we're answering. Um, so without further ado, uh, does anybody want to raise any Questions.
1: Hi, uh, this is Aditya. I am new here. Uh, Uh Thank you. Uh, I had a question. I am currently practicing at uh, stage 6 and uh, I had a question about uh, metacognitive introspective awareness.
2: Uh
1: Uh, I was trying to get a sense of what it feels like. Uh, The instructions on it uh, are a bit sparse in the book. Uh, but I am not really sure what it is that I am trying to cultivate here. Uh, If you could me out by explaining that figure.
0: So the first thing to say about it is that when you say you're trying to cultivate cultivate it, that is an accurate description. But um, it's like it's not something you try to cultivate by imagining what it would be like and then trying to produce what you imagined. Um, that's not going to work. So in a sense, you don't really need to worry about that because um, what you'll find is that is that. So I mean, think about like any skill that you develop, right? Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, what sorts of skills you might have developed, but for example, riding a bicycle or skiing or something like that, you know, you get on a bicycle and the first time you got on a bicycle, you try to pedal and you fall over, right? Or, you know, maybe you don't fall over, maybe you're smart enough to catch yourself, but one of those two things happens. You definitely probably don't balance, right? And then after a while, um, you start to develop this kinesthetic sense of what it is to ride a bicycle. And it's not something that you are understanding intellectually. If you could only understand it intellectually, the best you could possibly do is maybe sort of like do this sort of like maybe you could adjust fast enough to not completely fall over, but you'd be like wobbling all over the place and you'd probably crash. Um, But at some point, you develop this sort of automatic ability to ride the bicycle. And that automatic ability to ride the bicycle is happening because you've learned a new, almost a sense, right? You've learned a new sense. You've learned a sense of balance that you didn't have before. And that sense of balance is connected to the whole system of you and the bicycle and and the movement across the road. Um, so that's kind of what you're trying to do with metacognitive inter- introspective awareness. Um, you know, the feel of metacognitive introspective awareness is essentially as if you were watching your mind and, and, you know, Chuladasa does say this, and I'm essentially paraphrasing him. It's it's as if you feel you feel like you're watching your mind do stuff, and when the metacognitive introspective awareness is present, uh, you know that your mind is doing stuff, and you can kind of notice even when it's absent because um, for a period of time your mind you'll st- you'll have stopped noticing what your mind is doing. You'll you'll there'll still be some awareness, but there won't be like that sort of knowledge almost of what's happening. And so like you might be going along and realize that you're in a gross distraction. Well, that's because metacognitive introspective awareness wasn't present, right? You, you, you didn't see the, the subtle distraction happen. You didn't adjust. You didn't straighten up. And so bam, there you are in your gross distraction. So metacognitive introspective awareness at one sen- in one sense is about just that ability to watch. Um, the other thing that, that uh, and this is kind of my personal take on it. I'm not sure that Chula Dasa would agree with this, but um, I'll just tell you one of the things that I've come up with for myself is that um, there's a tendency to be able to notice um, mental formations. Um, and so, for example, you might notice um, uh, an emotion arising, and you don't necessarily know why it's arising. But you know that it's arising and you can sort of, you can sort of observe that there's some context in which it's arising and uh, and then having observed that, then you can investigate it. And so that's another example of metacognitive introspective awareness, meaning you're able to look inside of your uh, Mind. The only reason why I say I, I sort of couch that and I'm not sure that's what Dasa means is because there's an aspect of attention to that as well. And Dasa is definitely not talking about attention so you know, when you notice something like that, you might turn your attention to it. And obviously, if, if you turn your attention to it, then it's not metacognitive introspective awareness anymore. So,
1: um, I, does that
0: answer your question?
1: So, so sort of. Uh, let, let me explain why I'm still a bit unclear. Yes. Uh, I understand, and I have a very good sense of what introspective awareness feels like now. Oh. Uh, the, the idea that you have your attention an object and in the periphery are uh, objects coming into the sense door of the mind Uh and you know they are there Uh Uh, you don't know their nature you don't know details about them but they are there Uh and that's introspective awareness Uh how is metacognitive introspective awareness different from just introspective awareness
3: Hmm.
1: so um I'm
0: probably not the best person to answer that. You might actually want to just get on Shula Das's Patreon at some point and ask him to explain the answer to that question. Uh, Possibly Gilbert will take a stab at it. I will take a small stab at it, Um, but don't take this too seriously. Um, Metacognitive means uh, thinking, I mean, in a sense, it means thinking outside of outside of attention, right? If you say metacognitive, introspective awareness, it's 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 thinking that's occurring, not in attention. And uh, so one of the things that I think Chuladasa is talking about when he talks about that is it's something that I'm sure you've experienced, which is that you become aware of something and you automatically respond to it before you think about it, right? And so you become aware of... Uh, a distraction and you automatically do something to, re- to respond to the distraction without, without it, without having to turn your attention to it. There's just an automatic thing that happens. Um, and that would be metacognitive introspective awareness. But I don't think that's really the whole thing that Chula Das is talking about. So I don't know, Gilbert, do you have a, a theory to add here? Or?
2: Not too much, just the metacognitive introspective. That's like the full, taking a full step back and you're kind of, mm-hmm. you gave a great, great, I think uh, description of it. Right. You're, you know what's going on in your mind and actually you're you're but you're not like ca- caught up in it. Right? right. There's 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 a you could think of it as like the witness. Right. The witness in a sense. Right. That's. Yeah. If you know what's going on in the mind um, and introspective awareness is just like a slightly lower step kind of down from it um, where exactly that step is and like how far down like I don't, I don't know how much it matters. But but if if you understand metacognitive introspective awareness i think that's all you need
0: to really understand because that's that's the
2: direction you want to be heading towards
4: yeah
0: i mean one way to think about it i mean chuladasa used the metaphor of like you're 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 you know standing on a i think i think he uses this metaphor you're standing on a buoy in the ocean and uh, you know when you first start to develop introspective awareness The way you develop it is that you notice a wave just as as it's about to crash over you, right? Um, And then uh, as time goes by, you start to notice uh, the waves before they crash over you. And then at some point you start to notice the ocean. And I think that metacognitive introspective awareness in its full form is more like noticing the ocean, right? So maybe that helps. Sure, thanks. Mm Yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, Lewis has his hand up. Uh, yeah, I had a question about
5: um, now when I'm meditating, a lot of um, emotions are coming up mm-hmm. and I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed by it. And I also noticed that um, I'm now kind of uh, having an aversion to meditating and practicing mindfulness in daily life because when I practice mindfulness, a lot of stuff comes up and I don't know how to like keep my awareness open and not get caught up in it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, so when it comes up, are you are you able to to turn your attention to the breath, or, or are you just completely swamped by it? Um, when meditating,
5: I'm able to do it at the beginning, like the first half hour, are okay, mm-hmm. and then it starts to uh, kind of get worse.
0: Mm-hmm. So it sort of sounds like maybe, maybe uh, a very large wave is about to crash over your boy, so to speak. Um, so uh, I don't have a, 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 a definitive answer to give you. Um, but if you're able to maintain mindfulness for, say, the first half hour of your sit, it may be that the right thing for you to do is just sit for a half hour for a while until until you've been able to pick this apart to the point where it's no longer overwhelming you. Um, the, to, you'll get two benefits from that. One is um, you're having a purification, obviously, right? So, so one of the benefits you'll get is you're actually doing the purification, which sounds like it's a big one. So, it's it's not something that's just going to get resolved in one sit. So, doing the purification is is, um, is going to help you. So, if you can if you can sit for half an hour and do it and then get up, uh, then that's good. The other thing is uh, if you're sitting for a half hour and working with the uh, the, the purification, um, that's going to help you to get better at working with the purification. So, uh, So your ability to sit with the purification and not be overwhelmed by it should improve over time as you're doing that. Um, and basically, uh, you know, you're probably already doing this, but basically what you want to do is treat it just like any other distraction, which is you allow it to be there. You don't try to push it away or resist it, but you just keep intending to move back to the breath. And if you succeed in moving back to the breath, awesome. If you don't succeed, that's okay too. Um, the main thing is you don't want to get actually sucked into the emotion to the point where you're no longer really meditating. You're just reliving whatever it is that you're going through. Does that make sense? If that makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Ah, uh, sorry, Jeffrey, you have your hand up.
5: I had two questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first question: What is about uh, generating positive feelings during the meditation, like as a way to uh, reinforce the correct behaviors? And I noticed that Generally when I Sit I'm kind of just like Very workmanlike about it I'm not it's not that I feel negative About it it's more just that I have my mind on A task and I I don't feel good or Bad about it so I I wonder Is that okay or should I be trying To generate more Positivity especially like when I notice uh, Distractions or Forgetting or mind wandering.
0: Um, it's good to have some kind of reward, but uh, beating yourself up about not having a reward is also not good. So, so you don't <laughs> want to go down that rat hole. Um, you know, Chiladasa talks about this, and I think it's I think it's useful to to think about. It's just like what you're what you're going for when generating positive emotions on the cushion is not. You know, it's great if you can if you can be happy when you notice something, but. Actually, sometimes it's going to be a distraction to really try to be happy when you notice something, right? Like, like you're already, you've already noticed that you're already doing the right thing. You don't need a positive reinforcement at that point. So it's fine to not do any kind of positive reinforcement because the mere satisfaction of having done what, what you needed to do is its own reinforcement. Your, your mind doesn't require a feeling of pleasure to get positive reinforcement. Satisfaction is sufficient. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is when you're sitting on the cushion, um, Chula Dasa mentions this from time to time, and I think it's a really great thing to do. It's just like notice if it feels good. Like, forget about your meditation practice. Just like the physical act of sitting on the cushion. Does this feel good to you? If it doesn't feel good to you, that's actually not great, right? Like, like you know, it's not it's not the end of the world, but but it's not great if like when you sit down, it's not it's feeling uncomfortable or like you're not content to be there or something like that. So, so look into that. And if, if, if in fact you sit down and and there's like a lot of pain and you're working, you're like fighting the pain or something like that, maybe it's time to like do a little bit of posture debugging. Um, But if on the other hand, when you sit down, you feel basically pretty comfortable, then just like go to that. Like, like spend a little bit of time when you're doing the four, the four stage transition, just like noticing how good it feels or, you know, it doesn't have to feel amazingly good, but just however good it does feel. Notice that, um, notice where it feels good. Notice where, like, you know, there's a, there's a feeling of pleasure from just the, the, the fact that you're sitting. When I was, uh, I did a retreat with Chuladasa one winter. It was a, I think we were, we did it over New Year's and, um, I remember just like getting up in the morning, um, and this is, this is at Kochi Stronghold, so it's like, it was probably like 20 degrees outside or something like that, and going to the yurt, and the yurt is like, you know, there's hardly any insulation, so you're basically sitting there in the yurt, and there's a, um, there's a space heater, and that's what keeps the yurt warm, so, so I would go and I would do the, the, the before the morning session session, which you're allowed to do, but isn't really required, um, and I'd be the only one there. And I'd go in and it would be cold in the yard. It wouldn't be 20 degrees, but it would be quite cold. And uh, I would turn on the the heater and then I would sit down and I would drape myself with with blankets and it would be really cold. But the feeling of the cool air on my skin and the feeling of the warm blankets uh, became something that actually really, it was a pleasure to sit at that time of day, just because of the feeling of being under the blankets. And so that's what I'm talking about. Like anything like that that you can access is is a good thing to access. Um, I still, whenever I, whenever I sit and meditate, if I, if I have cold air on my face, it reminds me of that meditation retreat and makes me happy. <laughs> so. I think, uh,
5: I mean, when I first started sitting, It was actually like extremely uncomfortable (laughs) like basically the entire time i couldn't sit still and so now sometimes when i'm meditating i'll think wow like i can't believe i can just sit still this long yeah kind of like writhing around like i'm in pain or something yep but i can't say that it feels really comfortable Mm -hmm. maybe i need to try to find a more comfortable way to sit or something. I'm not sure. Cause I sit in a hard chair.
0: Oh, um, well, yeah. I mean, you might want to experiment with, with putting a cushion down. Um, cause it's definitely, you, you don't want your, I mean, especially like if you're sitting for an hour on a wooden chair without moving, your butt's going to probably get a little sore. Um, so yeah, a little, a little, a little playing around with cushions couldn't hurt. Definitely meditation shouldn't be some form of torture. Um, but also, like you know, the other thing to say about what you just said is like you had you had this experience. Stop that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You had this experience of um, having meditation be really difficult, and you overcame it. And so, one of the things that you can do, and this is a great thing to do if it works for you, is just notice that you've overcome it. Like notice that now, when you sit, that thing isn't happening anymore. It isn't that amazing? Um, The other thing is uh, a lot of times pain in sitting is actually the result of tensions coming up in the body. It's not because you're sitting in a bad posture. It's because there is some, uh, something is manifesting in the body as a result of your sitting practice. Um, And it can be fruitful sometimes to explore that um, and just see like, you know, what muscles in my body are tense right now. Um, and, and so, you know, you could think of that as a stage five body scan and it wouldn't be inappropriate, but, but you can also just do it as like, just out of curiosity, like what muscles in my body are tense right now. And then like, see if you can intend for them to relax and have them relax. And and you probably will find that you can't. Um, and just like explore that tension, like, like the, 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 like there's a muscle that's tense. I want it to relax in principle. I'm in control of this muscle, but it's not relaxing. Why not? Um, and just like go down that little rabbit hole always, ways and see if, see if, uh, I, I say this because at one point in my practice, I was kind of in the same place that you were where I was able to sit and it was fine, but it was really not comfortable. And, um, I spent probably two or three weeks just exploring my body, uh, the way I just described, like noticing all of the places where my body was tense. And when I noticed the tension and trying to release it and over time, it actually really helped. Uh, it was definitely not something that worked the first time I did it, but but over time, it really helped, and then I stopped doing it because I didn't need to anymore, and I still notice those kinds of things come up from time to time, but they're no longer continuous the way they were, um, so you may get some value out of that. I I, I make no promises, but, but give it a try and see what you find. And I had a, a
5: second question about um, kind of verbalizing a lot during the sit, like, kind of instructing myself and when I'm noticing distractions I it just I feel like there's too much commentary but I also don't want to I, I don't know how to get rid of it or that's the wrong word I, I don't know how to uh sit without verbalizing a lot of um ideas that I'm having about the sit and commentary um you know, does that make sense
0: it's kind of a vague question totally. but no it's it's probably every single face that you see here has had that same experience, um, maybe to a different degree, but, uh, yeah, the, the verbalization, I mean, what's actually, I think going on is that, is that like thoughts are happening about the meditation and you're just in the habit of verbalizing your thoughts and, um, breaking that habit is not super important actually. Um, It may seem like it is but actually actually the the thing to notice is that the, the thoughts themselves are the distractions right like if you need to think about your meditation practice then obviously you should. But at some point you'll realize that you're actually thinking about it more than you need to. And so you can you can kind of notice those as distractions instead of noticing them as instructions. Do you see what I mean. Yes. Yeah. And then it does, the fact that they're being verbalized actually helps you to notice them. Like, like the, the challenge that you may face at some point is if the verbalization stops, but the thoughts don't, noticing that the thoughts are happening is a lot harder. So in a way, it's actually good that you're verbalizing them. And, and, and if you notice a drop off in, in the verbalization because the thoughts have dropped off, that's way better than the verbalization dropping off without the thoughts dropping off. So I shouldn't really focus
5: on trying not to verbalize and more just noticing whether it's a distraction
0: or not. Yeah, exactly. You probably find at some point that the verbalization drops on its own. So you really don't have to like, I mean, noticing that there's a problem is fine, but you don't, there's nothing you really need to do about it. Just, just like notice it. And at some point your unconscious mind will be like, "Huh, we could probably fix this, you know?
5: Let's see. I, I, I wondered, uh, because I, I tried to think about this topic while I was doing, you know, my work or other things I'm already good at, mm-hmm. and I noticed that if something's easy, you know, the tasks I'm working on, I usually don't need to verbalize that much, right but if I'm working on something that's really a challenge, then I might start to verbalize my thought processes more, and I thought maybe that is happening in meditation, because it's kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I need to verbalize just to to work through it because it's not unconscious yet.
0: Exactly. Okay. Yeah, thank you. That's a great observation. Uh, Andrea, or oh, uh, so so, uh, Andrea? Is it Andrea or Andrea? Yeah, uh, Andrea. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, Yeah. my wife is Andrea, so. And then Guido, uh, if you want, you can raise your hand by clicking on participants down, down at the bottom. So go ahead, Andrea.
6: Yeah, uh, maybe just some background first. I uh, meditated a few years sporadically with Headspace. Mm -hmm. And um, I built lots of, I had problems with dullness and some uh, purifications, but didn't understand it and didn't know how to deal with it. And then uh, I built lots of resistance and stopped meditating. So now I'm meditating with the mind illuminated from the the middle of the May and I have two questions. The first one is, what's the best way to go about being mindful throughout the day? So is it, um, can I use like the mind illuminated system where I'm just aware of where my attention is moving and then using uh, the aha moment or checking in or something like that? Or maybe is it better to try some Seahill fear techniques from Shinzen or uh, maybe something else.
0: So uh, those are both good things to do. I mean, uh, I think that sometimes Shenzhen's, uh practices sort of assume that you've already developed a certain amount of introspective awareness, and uh, at this point, you probably have developed a certain amount of introspective awareness. So, so yeah, the, the his his techniques should work fine. Um, just doing using your introspective awareness to notice what's going on can also be helpful, and then. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but at the end of the mind Illuminated, one of the appendices, there's a uh, practice called the, the. Uh, um, this is funny, like I, it was right on the tip of my tongue and now it's, now it's vanished, but uh, the mindful review. Yeah. So, uh, so the mindful review, review practice is another good thing to do. And the reason uh, that I mention it is, is so um, there's kind of a couple of ways that you can approach mindfulness. Um in your daily life, one of them is to just be present in the current moment and just be noticing what's happening in a very unfiltered way, um, and that's good. But one of the goals of mindfulness is actually also to be able to to uh, re- to respond skillfully when things happen that maybe are challenging. So if you have anything challenging happening in your life on a regular basis, if there are any things that any behaviors that you have that you'd rather change, um, then the mindful review practice is a, go, a great way to just keep that sort of at keep it on the agenda, keep it something that you're actually thinking about a little bit. Uh, and so you might do that practice once a day at the end of the day and just kind of notice like, what is it that I should specifically be looking for when I'm doing my mindfulness practice off the cushion tomorrow, or in the morning you might try and do the same thing and uh, just allow that to inform your mindfulness practice a little bit. Um, but otherwise what you said is, is, is fine. The, 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 the you know, Young's practices are very good for that. And just doing the, the TMI practice will also work. Um, you might try doing the TMI walking meditation practice if it's, if it's appropriate. Um, like if you're moving from one place to another and you don't have any agenda, then the walking meditation practice is a really nice way to, to generate some, some situational, you know, some mindfulness that has to do with where you are right now. Uh yeah, Gilbert, yeah. did you? Sorry. Uh-huh.
6: Um, well, and uh huh. Well, sorry. There's also yes.
0: the
2: four four stage transition, and you can kind of use that because uh, it, it's a little bit easier to jump into. First step is, of course, to focus to focus on the present. Uh, step two is, uh, you know, being aware of your body, and you can even just doing any one of those two is going to be good for increasing your base level of mindfulness. Or, or, or the third or the fourth um, sort of step. And the the purpose of it, of course, is like to have something to kind of to anchor to, to practice anchoring to in the present moment, as opposed to without meditation, you're just kind of scattered and and just all over the place.
6: Okay, thank you. Um, I have another question about the Shinsen's techniques, if anybody knows. I've read that they've been derived from Hasi noting, And... um, I'm not sure if I want to do any noting or insight practices before I'm ready. So are they safe to use like in everyday life or?
0: Well, so that's a, that's a great question. And one of the things that I didn't say earlier, cause I wasn't sure exactly where you were coming from is um, the, 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 the mindfulness practice off the cushion. Um, it's a lot like to do that all day, every day is a lot. And it's not necessarily the right thing to do all the time. Um, I see people ask questions about this on the, on the TMI subreddit um, where they're just trying to be essentially practicing mindfulness 24 hours a day. And um, you know, if, 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 if that's working for you, that's great, but you're right. There is a, there is a, a potential for it to, to accelerate you a little bit too rapidly towards um, insight and uh so so you know i think one of the reasons why chula dasa doesn't specifically mention that as a practice is because he's taking a slightly slower approach which is the mindful review where basically with the mindful review you just sit down and you might do it more than once a day uh you just sit down and think about what's been going on and then what happens is that that causes your unconscious mind to have that as something that's on the agenda like i'm going to the unconscious mind, some part of it is thinking, I'm going to pay attention to what's going on more than I have been in the past. And so it's a very gradual process instead of like this insistent, like, let me try to be present in the current moment all the time kind of practice. And so, so yeah, finding a balance there is, is definitely a good idea. Um, I wouldn't say don't do the practices, but just don't, don't go nuts with them.
6: Okay, uh, thank you. I have one more question. So I'm meditating at stage four right now Uh and I'm dealing with some involuntary uh, body movements. Like my head is really twitching and moving around and I'm wondering how to best deal with that because I don't have any resistance to it, but uh, it's very hard to concentrate on the breath if my head is moving all over the place. So Uh I'm wondering maybe how to deal with that.
0: So it's a distraction, right? Um, and and so you treat it the same way you would treat any distraction. See if you can see if you can keep moving your attention back to the breath. Um, don't. I mean, you. It's probably not a good idea to try to stop it. Um, it's totally okay when it happens to move back. Like like, um, my wife Andrea used to have this thing where her head would slowly do this, and. She actually asked Chuladasa, what should I do when my head is over here? And he said, oh, you can just turn it back to the center. It's fine. <laughs> so, so feel free to adjust. But, um, but if you try to stop the, 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 uh, the body movements, it's probably not going to help. So, so it's better to just treat them as like, you know, like if there was a truck driving by, that would be distracting and it might be hard to focus on the breath, but you basically just deal with it. What else are you going to do? Um, okay thank you and uh sam is actually sam is here but sam sam mentioned something which i found uh really interesting which is he said that he felt like um at one point when he was going through this that there was some kind of subtle resistance that was actually making it worse and so so you might try just asking yourself am i resisting this don't don't try to answer the question because it'll be way too subtle for you to get an answer but uh but just ask the question, because that'll trigger your unconscious mind to go ask the question in a more deep way. And you may find that that actually something releases from doing that.
6: Yes, I was actually um, trying to be conscious if there's any tension anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that after, like, the movements usually starts 10 minutes in, and lasts around 15 minutes. And then, and it's quite blissful, actually, but after that, there are usually some negative feelings that surface. So mm-hmm. maybe it's uh, the result of some purifications or something. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's very likely. Yeah.
5: Okay. Thank you.
0: Cool. Uh, I wonder if we could
5: go backwards for to the first question for a minute mm-hmm. about mindfulness in daily life. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering, is it recommended to... Uh, Use it Because what I've been doing is, for example, if I'm reading a book or studying or something which requires focus, I do try to notice when I'm distracted and losing my mind up from the task and try to bring it back. But I don't try to uh, use a lot of the other practices like keeping more stuff in peripheral awareness because I'm kind of using it as an opportunity to focus. Yep. Uh, I wonder, should we be doing – the 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 other kind of practices more often or like I feel like there's a limit on how much you can do in a day as far as concentration goes.
0: Well if you're if you're doing it uh if you're doing it uh very much with the sort of intend release notify loop uh process. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Can you uh, just clarify real fast? Yeah. So I wrote a blog post about this, but so basically, the intend-release-notify loop is that you intend to do something, and then you just let go. You just surrender, and then you just notice. No, did I say notify? Intend, release, notice. Um, so, so you intend to do something, you let go, and then you notice what happens. So, and it, what what will happen is is you'll so so say you intend to be reading the book, and uh, you, so you set that intention and then you let go and you just read the book. And at some point you may notice that you've become distracted. Uh, and that's, so that's the notice part, right? Um, and when you notice you kind of ask yourself like what went wrong and then just try to adjust your attention, your intention a little bit, and then go back to reading the book. Um, and if you do that, uh, What's nice about that is it's pretty low key, right? You're not like trying to like stay on the book no matter what, you're just kind of like <laughs> gonna notice when you, when you miss it. And, and but, but, but adding that little Intend Release Notify loop and not just sort of letting go completely um, gives you like a middle ground between like trying really hard to stay on the book and not trying at all. Um, and that for me at least tends to be a lot less tiring than really trying to focus. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so if you can, uh, if you can, if you can kind of do that sort of loose following, uh, you may find that you can do it more than you would be able to do if you were doing uh, really, really very strong, intentional staying on the book until you just until you're you get tired. And, and you, you might be able to sustain that for more of the day. And the other thing is, what you'll find is that essentially everything—the whole point of the intend-release notice—thank you, Gilbert Loop—is to develop habits. So ultimately, what you're trying to do is not always be doing intend-release notice, but rather do intend-release notice until whatever behavior it is that you're trying to train yourself to do becomes automatic. At which point, you don't have to think about it at all or if you do have to think about it, it's just every so often and not, not continuously. Okay, thank you. Sure, uh, so, uh, uh, can I- Can
7: you hear me, Ted? Okay, my mic seems to be better. Yeah. I just had two quick follow-ups for Jeffrey that I meant to say until now. Uh, so first one, uh, the sitting and not finding any like pleasant sensations and having it be like utterly neutral, <clears throat> I was in the same place for a long time. And what helped for me was really searching in like fine detail, looking for like small areas that felt like even slightly more than neutral, like a little bit better. So I noticed, for example, like my feet often have like a kind of energetic feeling that's really subtle, but feels kind of nice. My back often feels kind of warm. uh, And like those two and one other were all I could find. But, uh, just bringing those to attention regularly. When I sat down, when I was doing my four-step transition, kind of just sitting on those sensations instead of the other ones, like just kind of preferring them a little bit in my attention. Um, It really slowly like shifted my sits, uh, just like I associate now sitting with like a pleasant physical activity. Whereas for for many months, it was just a totally neutral activity. And then like you, same experience as you, before that, it was a painful activity. Um, Oh yeah, the other thing was, about the the dialogue and the, um, it's like endless monologue that's assessing the sit and uh, talking about what you're gonna do in the sit. I had this for a long time too. One thing I noticed that I, it took me a long time to notice that I was doing was, uh, I was actually allowing myself to have certain distractions. Like some distractions were like, somehow above the other distractions. And like those ones were okay because they were extra important. Um, it took me a while to be able to, realize I was doing that and then to really like accept that I shouldn't be verbalizing really almost any instructions out loud to myself like I know the instructions they don't need to be verbalized um, so maybe look out for that in yourself whether you're you're secretly kind of okay with some distractions I found that that just like gave me the permission to always be verbalizing stuff and when I when I didn't do that anymore most of the verbalization calmed down well
5: what I noticed is that no matter how benign the verbalization is it can lead into like gross distraction because even if you're uh, even if it's just talking about the present moment of meditating and instructions that can lead into planning how you're going to meditate differently next time or something like that. And then you're just, you're gone. So it's, that's why I've kind of thought, okay, this is something that I need to at least Keep an eye on and not not let these verbalizations like carry me away from the, the sit. Yeah, I had a similar experience. Once the verbalization
7: starts, it, uh, it snowballs really fast.
0: Cool. Thanks, Schulte. Um So I believe uh, Guido was next.
3: Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um, I uh, started meditating uh, around uh, the end of December 2017. And uh, I think I did, uh, I, I followed the Mind Illuminated, and I think I uh, had great progress until about May of the next year uh, when I reached stage uh, five. Uh, then it took quite a while. To get to stage six, uh, which I got to around November uh, last year, um, and I, 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 one of the things that confirms the the progress for me is that the hindrances dropped uh, dramatically. So, uh, and actually, some aspects of my life became so much easier, uh, and I discovered like a. Uh, that life could be very, very different. I I didn't expect that uh, that change was possible. So it was uh, quite amazing. And uh, overcoming subtle uh, dullness was really, really a challenge. And uh, but then in November, I changed jobs and so my meditation schedule became became very complicated. I started meditating uh, in the evenings, and I was really tired. So dullness came back, and uh, now uh, I also uh, went and I'm going through a very stressful period at work, and I took care. I I got assigned a project that was very very important and was very uh, late behind schedule and had a lot of problems so uh, it was it has been very difficult and i find that my meditation has uh, regressed to stage two to three uh, around that and it took quite a while to realize that was happening and to maybe accept the fact that i am now in stage two and sometimes stage three Um, so I just w- was just wondering what you could uh uh any, what advice you could give me or or how I could uh, I have realized also the have have become have come back a little bit uh, aversion is very very strong and I find myself many times at work dreading to go to work or uh just feeling very bad about the position I am I'm, I'm in so uh, whatever advice you, you can give me, it would be greatly appreciated.
0: It's funny that you ended where you did, because that was actually what I was going to ask you about. Um, the aversion that you're experiencing at work is actually the thing that I would say is the, probably the most fruitful place for you to direct your practice right now. This is, this. I'm, to be clear, I'm just theorizing. You should try this and see if it helps you. But um, that aversion, uh, if you, if you hold that aversion all day, it's going to really wreck your practice at the end of the day. Um, and furthermore, as I'm sure you're painfully aware, the aversion is not helping you at all. Right? Like yes. it doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to, to not want to go to work. So, um, so one thing that you can try to do is see that aversion as a purification, not as uh, a truth. Do you see what I mean? Like it's just something that's coming up. It's not true that there is something you need to avoid. It's just that you, there is a mental habit that is being triggered regularly that is making you want to not do the work or not go to work or whatever. Um, and just see if you can, when you notice it, just try to sensitize yourself to it. So whenever you notice the aversion coming up, uh, try to notice it as quickly as you can. First of all, don't don't like go crazy about it. Just do the same old mind mind illuminated techniques of like you know, uh, you know, intending not to have aversion, and then uh, noticing when aversion happens. When you notice that aversion has happened, treat it like you would treat any other distraction. Um, here, like if you're going to work, just try to move your attention back to what you're doing you I'm going to work now. Like, okay, aversion has come up, but I'm going to work now and just don't try to stop the aversion, but just notice that the aversion has happened and don't let it be central. Let it, let it just be a distraction and go back to, to, to whatever it is you intend to do. Um, you may find uh, that the meditation techniques that you became skilled at um, start to resurface when you do this. Uh, and uh, I mean, it, it's hard to know for sure, but, but uh, give it a try and see what happens. Um, the reason that, that this is important is because um, the version that you're experiencing at work, not only is it probably affecting your experience on the cushion afterwards, but it's also a real waste of time. And actually, it helps to like recognize what a waste of time it is, because then you've got some strong motivation to get over it. Because it's like, it's not like the work is going to go away if you avoid it, right? Like, it's still going to be there. You can't avoid it. But if, you, if you're if you feeling aversion all the time, it's going to be very hard to make any forward progress at all. And
3: Yes, uh, and I'm yeah. I'm not having a, a, a very bad time also, just because yeah. of it. So I've, right. I think I'm aware of that, and it's, uh, yeah. it's difficult. It's very difficult to, to, to change.
0: Yeah. So the other thing that you can do um, is try to... One of the things that happens with aversion is it's not so much that the aversion is powerful; it's just there. It's a habit, um, but the, uh, the the desire to do the thing is not strong. Um, and so, one of the knobs that you can turn there, one of the things you can change, is uh, try to recall who's going to benefit from it. Um, and it doesn't have to be like you know you're saving someone's life or something like that. It's just there's somebody who wants you to get this work done, right? Um, and just like try to keep in mind how they're going to feel when they see progress happening. So, so like, you know, and it, if you have kind of a jerk of a boss, that's not as easy. But uh, I don't know what your situation is at work. So hopefully it's not that bad. But, uh, but whoever it is, even if it is, even if your boss is a jerk, like they'd really like to see forward progress, they'd really like to see problems solved, they'd like to see you happy all of these things would be pleasant for them because you being, it's not that they want you to be happy, but you being happy is good for them. So, um, so if you can try to externalize, move your motivation out of here and into what uh, the people that you're working for want um, and make, make your work then be a practice of generosity instead of just what you have to do today, um, then that can, be, that can
3: really help. Yeah, that sounds very helpful. Thank you,
0: sure.
8: Can I follow up and ask a question on that Ted? Yeah uh, facing the similar pro well not necessarily exactly the same problem as Guido is, but what I notice in daily life when mm-hmm. the question kind of arises when it, where is the line between okay, you're having a version and there's no reason to have a version or it's not doing anything for you and um unhealthy situations that you should not be in anymore Mm -hmm. um and i'm sure that this is something that maybe a lot of people start to wonder is is it me that's the problem or is it's the (laughs) is it the situation that's the problem or where's the where's the line where it's this is this is you know the human being should not be in that situation anyway and you should not try to uh just give up and surrender and go into resistance or give up resistance to that.
3: Well, yeah. if, if you ask me, in my particular situation, uh, I don't have a shady boss, but my boss is very nice. And it's just that the situation I, I am in is very complex. And I think if I overcome it, I am, and if I am able to do a good job, I'm going to benefit from it. I'm going to learn, I'm going to develop some skills, I'm going to be more resilient. So uh, I don't see it as a as a bad situation. And I, uh, I I also, I've thought about changing jobs, but I think it's going to be better for me if I don't, if I just ride the wave uh, and and try to be, do my best uh, about it.
4: Yeah.
5: <clears throat> so I want to say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> one thing that helps me out in this kind of situation is I do just think of um, like what are the benefits of the aversion? What, are the, like, what can I actually do? Um, if I just stop, is that a way out of the situation? Or um, is there really nothing I can do so I have to make the best out of it? I try to like see what my options actually are and oh. see if I have options. And then um, it doesn't feel like you're so helpless in the situation. Yep. Because if you frame it as, you know, this is an insurmountable task and I'm stuck here and there's nothing I can do about it, then you, you get stuck in this feedback loop where like you're, you feel trapped and helpless. Whereas really, I mean, there is something you could do. It might be quitting, you know, that might not be a good option, but it's, I, to me, it helps to think like, what are actually the options and why am I continuing on the path that I'm continuing? And, you know, yep. I, so I don't know if that's helpful, but that's just what I do in, in
0: similar situations. Yeah, it's really good advice. I mean, it's, it's actually, it's sort of paraphrasing what uh, Master Shanti Deva says in the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, which is that, um, you know, you have uh, a situation before you, and either it's a situation that you can do something about, or it's a situation that you can do nothing about. Those are really the only two possibilities. If it's a situation that you can do something about, do it. If it's a situation that you can do nothing about, stop worrying about it. Like, just just get on with it, right? Because it's not going to help you to fight it. And so really the crux of it is just figuring out which of those it is. I think it's also in the serenity prayer, right? Like, God grant me the, the uh, wisdom to see, I can't remember, like, to, to, to see what I can change and w- what I can And uh, sorry, the, anyway, yeah. So uh, I think uh, it's, a, it's a common theme. But um, uh, you know if you're in an abusive situation, you certainly shouldn't stay in it. Um, and uh, on the other hand, if you're in a situation where there's somebody who's behaving in a way that isn't very constructive, Um, sometimes the best thing you can do in that situation is to actually, um, try to be their friend, even though they're not really being very friendly. Um, and often that will actually break things loose. Uh, you, you may find that if you just develop, if you get to the point where they see you as somebody who's on their side uh, that things will soften and there will suddenly be an opportunity to, for things to get better where there wasn't before. doesn't always work, but it's worth trying if, if you're in a situation where you don't really have a choice anyway. Thank you, Sam. Really good, uh, intention. So I think, uh, I'm going to, I don't remember whether Colin or Aditya, uh, raised their hand first, but I'm going to let Colin go first because he hasn't gone yet.
9: If that's all right. Hello. Hi. So um, I guess I'm uh, having a question on a similar theme about um, pleasure in uh, in sits. Mine's a bit opposite because um, I'm going through. I guess you'd call my you'd call it insight cycle. My second time around. And I'm going through a period of dryness, I guess, which is something I've noticed that I think was mentioned in stage seven in the TMI. And um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Like I sort of, I have, know that I have access to the body scan and certain sensations, but things have a lot of sameness to them right now. And Mm -hmm. I go and I sit, this feels sort of like a habit and I sit and it's all very dry and there's these, what seems like sort of an unstable inimit, I think you'd call it yeah. weird, but everything just feels very dry. Mm-hmm. But no, I should, if I should go back and try and recapture that pleasure because TMI seems to focus a lot on cultivating pleasure, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure.
0: Well, so one question to ask is, uh, let's, let's, let's conjecture for a moment. You're at stage seven. Sure. Um, are you releasing effort?
9: Um, it, feels like it. Yeah, it feels um, like I, well, I guess I would say it feels like I have less control mm-hmm. than I thought I had previously. That's sort of a continually, c- continuously uh, evolving sensation that I am not necessarily in control, mm-hmm. I guess is how I would uh, ex- answer that.
0: So it might be worth exploring whether there's anything further to let go of, because even if you feel like you're not in control, you might still, there might still be some residual trying to control going on.
9: Yeah, well, that's definitely part of it. I'm um, I'm allowing myself to uh, to express certain emotions which I've sort of been not quite exploring for quite some time.
3: Mm-hmm. So
9: I think there's definitely a, an aspect to that.
0: When you express those emotions, does that feel dry?
9: Yeah, they're definitely being repressed still. Um, mm-hmm. So they they pop up, and then mm-hmm. um, I notice the rational mind. Come and do this thing, where it, and then it goes away.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. So um, it might be interesting to see if, like, imagine imagine your meditation is like a uh, uh, you know those little like like seismometer tapes that are going by. Hmm. Like, imagine that the seismometer tape is going by and it's kind of flat, and then there's like this emotion happening, and then hmm. it goes by see if you can swipe the tape back a little bit and get the emotion right here. Okay. Um, and even if you can't succeed in doing that, intending to do that may actually have an effect over time. Um, okay. Because a lot of times what will happen is it's like it's like you're in a car and you're driving along and you're seeing sights go by and you see something really beautiful and, you know, but you've got to get to wherever it is you're going. And so you keep driving. Hmm. So so it may be that it's worth actually trying to stop driving at that point and go back. And pull off onto that overlook and see what you can see. All right. Yeah. Because I'm working. Well, I'm. My intention is
9: always to stay right in that space, and I keep noticing subtler and subtler and subtler details in that little mm-hmm. fine, microscopic state of now. Yeah. So that that could be interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, it may be that what you're doing is exactly the right thing, and you just need to endure the dryness for a while. But but the reason I mention this is because I've you know what you're describing sounds a little bit like stage seven purifications.
9: Yeah, and, I, I think so.
0: Yeah. And if that's, what's happening, then what you don't want is for the, the sort of what you described as the rational mind to just like suppress the purification. Cause that's, that's yeah. not helping you. Yeah. Yeah. So.
9: Okay. Um, one quick other thing, which I was curious about, which I think I read that you wrote about. So maybe I'm misquoting you. You said, I believe that at a, more or recently, or at a certain point, you've um, come away from more of a, an R stream entry mindset, and you're moving towards an R awakened mindset, which mm-hmm. is something that, um, if that's accurate, that's struck me as um, as a very rational minded person. Um, that that struck something with me. I'm, I'm curious if you if that's accurate, an accurate statement, or what, if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Um. Well. So I'm trying to think about what I might have meant by that. Uh, One of the challenges that I've had with our stream entry is that there's a tendency to Oh, I think I know exactly what it is. Actually, yeah, there's a tendency on our stream entry to um, Hear about uh, experiences that might have been insight and to say, no, that definitely wasn't insight or that probably wasn't insight. You should probably assume that that was not insight Um, And uh, actually there was a discussion that, that, uh, I think got referenced a bit on, um, on RTMI, uh, that, uh, was with Daniel Ingram and Daniel does that. He's, he's, he's really into gatekeeping, right? Like, like yeah. you know, yeah. and, um, I actually have come to the conclusion over time that that is actually harmful. It's not, it's not yeah. just neutral. It's harmful. Um, And the reason I say that is because if you think about Chuladasa's mind model, um, what's going on in Chuladasa's mind model, which I think is a good model. I mean, I'm not saying it's exactly what's happening, but it's a good model. Uh, What's going on in Chuladasa's mind model is that your mind is not unified at the beginning of the practice. And it becomes more unified over the course of the practice. And when you're getting to stage seven, you're really working on unification, right? But um, for most people, as they're going through this process, uh, the mind is not really unified, and so an insight experience that occurs, say, when you're at stage four, you could have a, a real insight experience at stage four, but your mind won't be unified. And so it won't be the case that the whole mind believes that insight, right? And so what you don't want to do if you have an insight experience at that point is you don't want to tell the parts of the mind that don't believe it, yeah, it was an insight, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's not helping right? What you really want is, is, is to allow, like, think of it as like, like, you know, you've got, you're trying to light a campfire and you set up all of this kindling and now you've got your bow and you're using friction to, to like, try to get the, you know, to get a spark to go, right? And you got a spark to go. And then you're like, no, no, that's not a whole fire. I'd better blow it out. (laughs) Yeah. To me, that's the, that's the thing that I, that I'm, and I'm not saying that they all, that this always happens on our stream entry, but it is a tendency.
9: No, that that's something that I definitely noticed because I, I had no idea what stream entry was. I had this thing that happens and I mm. went around going saying, what's this thing? I had this thing that happened. There was a lot of that gatekeeping stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I, I just,
9: I, yeah. invented this story and then the second time came around and I had a lot more um, introspective awareness the second time around. Yeah. And I realized it was the same as the first time, but I was able to be aware of um, the, the, the story that my mind was constructing around the experience it had nothing to do with what was happening at the moment. Yep. And um, I, since then I've really moved away from these hard, like I call this thing a dark night because I read about this thing that's called a dark night, but I realized that has nothing to do with what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, th- yeah. I think that exactly is exactly where I, I've, I'm heading as well. So that's, uh, it's very interesting.
5: Yeah, the thing I like
0: about our awakened is it's like if somebody comes along and says I'm awakened, you know, there was some gatekeeping at the beginning when I started participating, but over time, uh, the moderators really tamped that out. And now if somebody comes yeah. along and says I'm awakened, then the question is like, well, tell me what that's like. And yeah, then, what's that like for you? Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then we just try to help them with whatever it is they're experiencing. And it doesn't matter whether whether we agree that they're awakened or not. What matters is can we help them?
9: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm I'm still in the Buddhist sort of mindset, but I have friends who are into shamanism and all this other stuff. It's like, okay, what's what's awakening to you? What does that mean to you? And it's yeah. a lot more positive and interesting and a lot less
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, and I mean ultimately what we're trying to do is is overcome suffering, right? Like yeah. to not to not suffer needlessly at least, and yeah. however we succeed in doing that is good. Hmm. Great, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Good questions. Um, so, Aditya, let's uh, let's answer or try try your question.
1: Sure. Uh, so, just to give you a background, which will be the build up to my question, uh, I came to TMI uh, a couple of months ago, but uh, I've been practicing concentration. Uh, using the breath, using the body, various different objects for quite a long period of time, mm-hmm. uh, and over a very long period of time, I trained myself to get into the stages of dhyana, like the jhana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the thing is, uh, in in daily life, uh, I, I had to step down on concentration practice because I had a huge problem with pity. Um, with pity, pity. uh pity, okay, joy. Sorry, my pronunciation. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, if if I were trying to fill my tax returns and paying sufficient attention to it, uh, I would start experiencing orgasmic delight. Uh, And this is not a very workable situation. Uh, Now it's happening again because I have taken up TMI. I mean, I just stopped doing concentration practice for quite some time, but this has started happening again. For example, even while I'm listening to people talk here, I'm deliberately keeping myself diffused, you know, I'm not focusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the solution to this problem? Uh, or will this just work itself out?
0: Well, I'm not, I haven't had this experience, so I can't speak from experience. Um, one question that I have for you is, uh, have you, you, you say that you've gone through jhana experiences. Have you gone through the, the, uh, the jhanas, the four, the, the four jhanas that Chuladasa talks about, the, the, uh, the four pleasure jhanas, where the first one is really like, and then the next one is more tranquil, and it gets more tranquil, you know, you get to a point of equanimity?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, I can access uh, uh, jhana number five, which uh, is the, the sapramundain jhana is what I believe it's called. Uh, and not beyond that because I just don't don't understand that territory at all. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, but
1: the base of infinite space is where I can reach. Uh, mm-hmm. That it, it's something that I taught myself by reading uh, Lee Brasington mm-hmm. uh, and experimenting a lot and many many hours on the cushion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but its uh, its impact is such that uh, I I really have to keep concentration practice. Uh, um, in control I I cannot do too much of it um, but I do I do want to reach stage 10 as defined by bull uh, in TMI yeah
0: so <coughs> the reason I was asking about the first four jhanas is because of the progression from from rough pity to equanimity um, so so you say that you can do jhana number five but can you do one through four
1: yes yes okay. I can it, all it, right it, so it's, it's progression. yeah
0: and and uh, when you get to the fourth jhana is your experience still like overwhelming or is it tranquil it's completely tranquil okay. uh, so yeah. um, so the reason i'm asking about this is because uh what you probably need to have happen because it's not bad for you to be feeling tranquility while you're doing your tax returns right the problem is when you're feeling first jhana while you're doing yes. your tax returns yes so, that's a problem so maybe what you need to do is actually do your tax returns, allow that experience to happen, and see if you can just keep doing your tax returns, or whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be tax returns, but keep doing whatever it is, um, even though you're experiencing this bliss uh, that's, that's kind of uncontrolled, and see if you can continue doing that until you reach equanimity. Because if you do that, and then you start to habituate yourself to the state of equi- equanimous, Yeah. PT, um, then, uh, in principle, then you can be in a state of perfect equanimity and joy while you're doing your tax returns. And wouldn't that be nice? And yeah. more importantly, you can get past this obstacle because, you know, obviously, you know, it'd be nice if you were, if you were able to just go through your day in a state of, of tranquility where uh, uh, or or, or uh, equanimity where um, you know when something comes up, you're just present. You don't, it's not bad. It's not good. You're just present for it. That's a good result. That's, that's a state of mindfulness that you would like to be able to cultivate. So you'd like to get past this point where everything's sort of like, "Ah!" Um, And you just, I think you, I think you may just need to make a practice of it, like, like find some situations where it's okay to go a little off the deep end uh, to get a little bit crazy uh, while you're while you're concentrating and and try to go all the way through it until you get to tranquility and equanimity. Sure, I'll try that. OK. Uh, James, I think it's finally your turn. <laughs> Thanks, Ted. Hey, everybody. Um, you can
10: you can hear me OK? Yep. OK, cool. We've got fans and doors open at the moment, because it's as hot as it gets in the UK at the moment. Um, So if you remember last week, we were talking about um, some perceived challenges I was having with body scanning before I had sufficient energy levels and um, kind of concluded that it's perfectly fine for me to do whatever it takes to raise up some energy uh, before doing the body scan. So that's what I've been playing with for the last week. And really, I just wanted to check that I was kind of on the right track with something as I feel it goes during my sits. And so at the the moment it kind of feels like it's a bit of a a juggling act between times when I have high energy and previously I would have considered that kind of agitated mind state, but I've now recognized that it's not necessarily agitated, it's just kind of a high energy mind state where then I will try and apply a little bit more uh, effort to keeping attention on the breath until things kind of come down, and then I usually go a little bit too far, and things, the energy decreases quite a bit, and then dullness seems to take over, and then so I'll do something, um, one of maybe three or four things, to bring the energy back up, and then I feel a little bit more agitated, and then I increase focus on the, on the breath, and it, it feels like kind of iterative cycles of, of that process. Does um, that sort of make sense
0: with people? Yeah. The thing that, the thing that you said that I'm a little bit skeptical of is um, that it sounds like when you're trying to focus, that's actually bringing your energy level back down a little bit. And that's not really what you want. Um, What you actually want is to learn how to stay, how to maintain attentional stability when you have very high energy. Um, So, so uh, in other words, if, if when you try to, to, concentrate on the breath, that brings your energy level down. That's not the outcome you're trying. That's not the outcome you need. Um, so, so, and I don't know, that was a, I'm basically extrapolating from like two words, so I may have it wrong, but, uh, but that's something I would look for is, uh, and the other thing is, um, be aware of the term concentration or, or, uh, trying, um, what you, what you, what you need to do in order to get successfully past all of this is to be able to have that balance happen very freely and naturally without a lot of effort or, uh, you know, so rather than thinking of it as focus, maybe think of it as a filter. So, so the filter is just only allowing things into attention that are, um, that are what you intend to be in attention. And uh, it's not so much that you're focused because everything else is still going on, it's just that all that's happening in attention is the breath. Um, so so you might play around with with treating it as a filter instead of as a focus and see if that changes your relationship to it and changes, because one of the things about treating it as a focus is that does tend to uh, collapse awareness and, and and that brings your mental energy level down and then you wind up in dullness. And, and so that whole thing, that whole process starts with focus. So if you can avoid the focus and just do the filter. So focus
10: is probably not the, the most accurate word to use. So
0: mm-hmm.
10: prior to this point, the way that I dealt with gross distractions was by a process that, that I could best describe as kind of letting go.
9: Mm-hmm.
10: Um, and... I didn't feel that that was helping. With I felt like that was feeding into a kind of a lower energy level of mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Um, so now I feel like what I'm doing is kind of a balancing between that letting go process of an active gross distraction, for instance, and mm-hmm. reinforcing the intention to um, at least notice detail in the breath.
4: Mm-hmm.
10: When I'm when I'm when I'm trying to increase attention on the breath, what I'm doing is trying to intend to feel parts of the breath that previously I don't feel very distinctly. Mm
4: -hmm.
10: For instance, the transition between in and out and that Mm -hmm. very subtle, almost kind of flipping sensation that I can sometimes feel when I've got um, good attention and um, high energy, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, I don't have a problem, I don't think I have a problem with collapsing peripheral awareness. I'm aware of, of sights and well, sounds around me and bodily sensations to a limited extent as mm-hmm. as, limited as I normally have as, in terms of body sensations. Um, and I feel like it's, uh, it's that balancing act between doing what I was doing previously, which was just kind of letting go, but not necessarily increasing the intention to remain with the breath. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So uh, it, it does make sense. Two things to point out here about peripheral awareness. Um, you can have peripheral awareness collapse quite a bit before uh, you stop being aware, for example, that there are birds chirping. Um, what happens is that you're aware that the birds are chirping, but there is not a whole lot of detail. And maybe there are fewer things happening in awareness, but there's still you're still things are happening in awareness. So you can, you have to be careful not to be just satisfied that things are happening in awareness. It needs to be to a certain level of detail. Um, and, and so, so once you get to the point where awareness isn't collapsing completely, there's still ways that it can collapse that aren't as easy to detect. Uh, so, so that's one thing to watch out for. Um, and then, uh, as far as the, the breath goes, um, I'd be curious, um, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'd be curious to know exactly what it is that you're noticing that feels like it's the the, the transition from the in breath, the out breath, not because you shouldn't be noticing it necessarily, but because um, If you're if your are only focus if, if the only sensations that you're actually paying attention to are sensations in the nose. Um, then the only sensation that would be a transition from in-breath to out-breath would be the flexing of the surface of the nose. Um, like anything else that seems like it's a transition from in to out is probably something that's not happening in the nose. Um,
10: the, the way I've probably conceptualized it to myself is hair, the, the sensation on the hairs of my, my ever increasingly hairy nostrils. <laughs> having said that, I don't feel like I um, can identify multiple sensations associated with the breath. And, and mm-hmm. the, a question that pops up quite regularly, um, how many sensations am I supposed to um, be able to feel? Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can, I can feel numerous sensations. Um, I know when the breath is coming in and when the breath is going out. Um, but I don't, for instance, feel difference in temperature. Hmm. Um, there's probably a a, a, a change in pressure, but it's very subtle. Um, either that or the change in pressure is very obvious and I am um, constructing the idea of hair flowing in the wind. Um, yeah. A sensation.
0: Yeah. So, so what you're describing sounds like it's still fairly conceptual. And one of the things that, that, should happen in the course of doing stage five is that it becomes more uh, detail and less concept. Um, so uh, so I would suggest that um, based on what you've been saying thus far, uh, you might wanna try actually doing a little bit of, um, a little bit of body scanning Uh, when you get to the point where you're, where you're trying to figure out where where you're noticing the in and the out breath and the the, the flipping um, at that point, just do a very quick body scan. It doesn't have to be your whole body, but just like find some body part and just like try to find as much sensation as you can in that body part. Don't push at it. Try to be receptive. Just let the sensations come to you and see how much can come. Uh, Also like, If you notice like prickling sensations and stuff like that have a definite intention to allow those and welcome them as opposed to trying to because they're uncomfortable. Right. So there'll be a tendency to want to push them away. Have an intention to allow them to come up because they will come up when you do the body scan. Well, um, and that's okay. Uh, And the reason I say this is because the degree of detail that you're describing in the breath is not very much. And I think what you'll find is if you do the body scan. Uh at the point where you've got that degree of detail if you if you if you stop and do a body scan Um, and then go back to the breath. I think you'll probably notice a lot more detail And so that can really help you to get a a feel for what it is that you're you're Trying to do because before you before you felt that then having an attention to get more detail is, is pretty big and it might not work Awesome, cool. Thank you. Yeah Um Okay, so we're at eleven nineteen. So we usually go to uh, somewhere around this, th- between an hour and twenty, an hour and a half. So if anybody else has anything they want to raise, there's still time.
4: Ah. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hey. Um. So, I have a couple questions about eyes and like eye movement and stuff like that. Uh So um, the memory of like, when I have like the best stable attention, it's like kind of identified with like eye movement, like reduced Uh or like relaxed and like very stable and like the tension is gone. So like recently I've been kind of just being more aware of that and like someone pointed out to me that like, like right like here it was like really tense and like I did a me- like one meditation session and just was aware of it and it was like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so uh, uh, kind of a along those lines. Um, whenever I'm doing like the body scan, like how do you keep your like eyes from like you know moving like kind of tensely, like kind of trying to follow geographically where you're where you're following.
0: Yep. So, um, you, you can't, um, uh, what you, what you mostly need to do, uh, is just notice that that's happening and form an intention to let go of it. Um, also what I was saying to James earlier about, uh, being receptive as opposed to pushing towards. So rather than, um, rather than like trying to push your attention into your shoulder, for example, uh, just try to be where you are and allow the shoulder to speak to you, allow the sensation of the shoulder to come to you. Um, You may find that that helps a little bit. Um, You can deliberately look away while doing that. um, Just as a practice to, to kind of break the connection. Um, And and I've done that in the past and I think that's fruitful. Um, But trying to really, You don't want to be in a position where you're actually really controlling where the eyes are pointing because that's, that's really, you know, like, as you were saying that relief you were experiencing was because you'd stopped doing that a little bit. Um, And so the more you can stop doing that, the better. Um, So, so yeah, uh, you, you can, you can try to deliberately hold the eyes stable while you're doing a scan just, just to To break that, but ultimately you don't want to do that. You just want to let go of it completely and let the eyes go wherever they want to go. And at some point. um, If you find the eyes are constantly going there, regardless, uh, just just be noticing that and and seeing it as a distraction rather than trying to struggle with it. Um, But, you know, as I say, you, you can also deliberately Put them somewhere that's not where you're where you're scanning just to avoid having that, you just you have to play with it. It's not, it's something that should drop over time as you do the practice. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Anyone else want to have some last words? Okay, going once, going twice. It's been great having you all here. It's wonderful to see your faces and uh, please come again.
1: Thank you.